Um, I went to the doctor myself too just this week and um, been having a few issues. I said to the doctor, um, I keep dreaming. Every night I keep dreaming about being a tent. One night, one night I'm, I'm a, um, a hiking tent, just a small hiking tent, and the next I'm dreaming that I'm, um, I'm a three-room, a large family tent. And the doctor looked at me and he said, he said, you know, I know what's wrong with you. You're too tense. Um, Okay. And some of us, I guess, are a bit tense at times, aren't we? But, um, anyway, um, <clears throat> last week Bill Sharrick um, brought the message and he reminded us that as Christians in Christ that we are forgiven, that our sins are forgotten, that we are forever void of any penalty, and he reminded us too that we've been given new life, that we are redeemed, and that nothing can separate us from God. Hardship, sickness, trials, whatever comes along, nothing, nothing can separate us from God and his love and our eternal destiny. And he mentioned the hardships that Paul endured. And um, he listed them and the number of times that Paul had been whipped and shipwrecked and jailed um, was amazing. And yet Paul continued to have a, just a real love for God and it, it made him the person he was. So today we're going to look at another of Paul's letters and it's a letter to the Philippians. And um, look, as I've been looking and thinking about our future as a church, I've, I've I believe God has led me to um, speak on this today and really as a church what our, and as individuals, what our state of mind needs to be as we discern our future direction. Um, so we wait on God for a pastor, both interim and a future full-time pastor, don't we? And we seek his guidance and his wisdom, his direction, and how we can and will be um, a beacon or a shining light in this town and the district. And we've got that review we, we need to look at and work through. Um, but I pray our goal is to move forward with vision and purpose. And so we ask him to show us how to be obedient. I guess that's what we're all doing, how to be obedient how to be diligent, faithful and effective as individuals and as a church family. And so that that comes through us, ourselves, through our church and within the community. You know, I believe this can only happen if we as a church are totally united. Unless we're totally united, then... Some of us are going to be wanting to go over here and some over there. And, and so today's message is really about unity in Christ. And Paul, in Philippians 2, let's read this, shall we? Let's read it. If you've got a Bible there, um, 
It would be good if you can grab that and follow along. So Philippians 2. It says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit, conceit, sorry, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And he goes on to say, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being found, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And one day every tongue, every person will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, he goes on to say, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you might become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I'm going to finish there. A fairly practical passage, isn't it? And a fairly... I guess some of it fairly basic. I guess sometimes we struggle to even get the basics, don't we? Some of this stuff, we'll go through it and uh, maybe you've got it all. Maybe not. So in the previous chapter, Paul was telling the Philippians, how to stand strong against external conflicts. And now in this chapter, he's telling them how to act against internal conflicts within the body of Christ. He's telling them how to act towards other Christians. And I guess we can take on board this same, this same stuff, how we should act towards fellow Christians, whether they're here within our congregation, or here, right here. We're all different, aren't we? And some of us go, I don't know about that bloke. 
don't sort of connect. Um, so he's telling us how we should behave, how, how we should act within this body here. So Paul, in the start of this uh, chapter here, he says, do you have any encouragement? Do you have any consolation from being united in Christ? He asks four rhetorical questions, and he knows the answers, and you should know the answers as well. Do you have any encouragement? Are you encouraged by being united in Christ? Yeah? Of course you are. Every Christian should know and experience the encouragement of being in Christ, shouldn't we? Are we encouraged? Yeah, let's hear it. (laughs) In 2 Thessalonians 2.16, it says, God has given us everlasting consolation and good hope. And then he goes on to say, if there is any comfort from his love, Any comfort from his love, guys? Yeah. Of course there is. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, it tells us that God is the God of all comfort. And the New Testament talks about comfort. And it, it's really the word comfort is talking about strengthening and helping, making strong. So the love of God in our lives can help make us brave. So we're encouraged by being united in Christ. Is there comfort in his love? Yes, of course there is. And then he says, if there is any fellowship with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's been given to us to fill us to guide us, to move us in his power. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to share life with. And I guess this is part of that relational aspect of we should have with with God and with Christ. He wants a relationship with us. And um, fellowship, the Greek word is the word you've heard many times before, kanonia. And it means sharing of things in common. So we have that fellowship, don't we, with the Spirit, where we can fellowship with Jesus and, and, and hear him speak to us and guide us and where we can talk to him. And then there's, Paul goes on and says, is there any tenderness or compassion? Every Christian knows something of the tenderness and compassion of God. Yeah? I mean, surely that's part of being a Christian, isn't it? God's compassion for us that is shown to us and that he continues to show to us. And that compassion and that tenderness should follow, should flow through us, shouldn't it? It should flow from us and be part of our DNA So Paul mentions each of these gifts because they are gifts and they're given spiritually to us from Jesus. 
but also from Jesus through his people. And we are his people. And those things should flow from us. These are real gifts that can and should have incredible impact on our lives as we draw closer to the giver, yeah? So Paul said, so if this is who you are, he said, then the following, what I'm going to say next is how you as a body and how you as individuals should act and be and behave towards one another. If that is us, then he says, and he goes on and says here in in, um, verse 2, it says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. What would you call that? Being like-minded. I'm asking for an answer. You can be verbal. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. What's one word you would use? Sorry? Unity, I think I heard. Exactly. Jerry, was it? Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Um, this is the purpose, being in spirit and purpose. This is unity, and this is the goal. This is what Paul is talking about. This is what he's trying to get the Philippians to understand and to, to realise what it's going to take to be united. So in the next two verses, Paul talks about how we achieve and practice that unity. Why do we do certain things? I guess Margie's asking herself that at the moment, but that's a digress, sorry. Um, Why do we do certain things? In verse 3, it says, Do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Sometimes what we do is not done out of love for others, is it? I think if we're honest, there are things we do that we shouldn't and the way we do things. So it says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Sometimes we do things that may be for our own pride, may be for our own advancement, may be for the acknowledgement of others. Talks about conceit here as well, which is full of our own importance or our own ability. And he says, do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And then he goes on to say, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. You know, humility 
this is completely contradictory to the behaviour and attitude of the world we live in, yeah? Humility is lowliness of mind. And to the world, humility is not attractive. Humility is a weakness. It's a fault and it's not a virtue. The world would look at humility maybe as groveling. And the secular world is all about self-assertiveness, isn't it? And I guess we're seeing that more and more these days. The secular world is about imposing one's will on others. Pushing our thoughts, our wants, our agenda onto others. Because you are wrong and I am right. And as Christians, that is not that is not the characteristic, that is not the trait that God says he wants to see in us. That is the opposite. So humility is a biggie. And we're going to, I guess, look into that a little bit further on. While we as Christians, while we as members and adherents and people who come along to KBC, Kerrang Baptist Church, while we adopt or if we maintain that sort of attitude, that sort of behaviour, we will never, never, ever see unity, will we? We will never see unity. Charles Spurgeon had this to say, to create concord or unity, you need first to take on lowliness of mind. You need to first take on humility. To create unity, you need first to take on humility. And then he said, Men do not quarrel when their ambitions have come to an end. Men do not quarrel when their ambitions have come to an end. So Paul talks and says, But in humility consider others better than yourselves. Which is not looking inward, is it? It's looking outward. Having a care and a concern for others. Having a care and concern for their needs, their heartaches and their concerns. So looking outward helps lead us to unity. You know, within our church, if... if oh, I guess I can use Lee's name... He, he can handle this, and I'm sure Michael can handle it. Within our church, if um, Lee considers Michael above himself, and Michael considers Lee above himself, and then we could go on and on, then can you imagine if everybody considered every other person above themselves, 
then an awesome thing would happen within our church. We'd have a community where everyone was looked up to and valued and where nobody is looked down on. You know, I guess we, as I said earlier, sometimes as a person or people in the church, you just don't click with. They think different to you. You know, and you just, I just don't get that person. And I think, you know, we always need to remember God made that person the same as he made you. He made the artistic person. He made the analytical person. He made the practical person. And we all think a little differently. And God talks to us all. He made us all. We need to acknowledge that we're all God's people. All God's creation, and that um, we need to value one another and consider that person above ourselves. In verse 4, it goes on and says, um, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So if we do these things, we put away our own selfish ambitions, our self-importance, our, tendence, our tendencies to think, I am right, and our pure selfishness, we'll, na- we'll naturally have a greater concern for the interests and needs of others, won't we? So then Paul goes on and he points us to the ultimate Example of humility. He points us to the ultimate example of humility and he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Or your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 2.16 it tells us we have the mind of Christ. When we become a Christian, we're given the mind of Christ. But it also in, in here where it says, let this mind be in you, it shows us that this is also a choice. This is a choice we can make. We can choose to have this mind of Christ, this attitude that he had, As believers, we often choose to not live and not act as Christ himself has demonstrated to us, don't we? None of us are perfect and we still have that natural desire to do things wrong. So we, we need to choose. It's like forgiveness. Unless you choose to forgive somebody, it's not going to happen. You can sort of, you can pray about it a lot and you can, but you have to choose, you have to make that choice. So we can choose to have this mind, this attitude of Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 6, goes on and says, Who being in the very nature God, so he was eternal God, 
This describes Jesus' existence even long before he came to earth as a little boy. He kept that divine essence when he came to earth. So who being in the very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus already had equality with God, but he chose not to cling to it. He chose to release some of the prerogatives of deity to become a man. So he gave up much of what was his. He chose to put it aside. He was still God. So who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. He could not become less God, but rather humanity was added to his nature, and he renounced some of the rights of deity. He took the very nature of a servant, and it says, being made in human likeness. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is God of very God. This is the great I am. This is our creator. Taking on humility. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The ultimate example of humility. Eh? This part of the service, we're going to just come now and take the elements, communion. And then I'm going to continue the message after that. So if the guys can come down, uh, come down and just take seats here for a sec. <clears throat> so the mind, the attitude of Christ is a submissive mind. It's a mind of surrender. He knew his eternal purpose was to robe himself in humanity. He knew that. That was his purpose. He knew he was the lamb slain for the foundation of the world, according to the book of Revelation. Christ had a submissive mind, a mind of surrender. He also had a self-abasing mind. 
He made himself of no reputation. This was God. He made himself of no reputation. Not self-exalting. He also had a mind of a servant. He came not to do his own will, but the will of him who sent him. Reminds me of that song, that chorus that we sing. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him. You had a a mind of surrender, a self-abasing mind, the mind of a servant, and then a sacrificial mind. A mind that whatever the cost, he would follow through. He sacrificed all for you and for me, didn't he? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, hearing what you have to say to us, Lord. Lord, teach us to be humble. Teach us to treat those around us as greater, as more important than ourselves. Teach us, Lord, to, as a a congregation, as a people who love you, as Christians, to be like-minded, to cast aside our ambitions and our self-importance and maybe our conceit and all those things that come up because we're human. Lord, we thank you for your incredible ultimate gift of humility, your sacrifice on the cross for us. Lord, you remind us to remember what you've done for us. You ask us to remember what you've done for us, the gift of yourself. Through believing in you and your work, we are declared righteous. We are your children. We are heirs of yours. We're co-heirs with Christ. We thank you for that. And Lord, we come before you now thanking you for your shed blood, for your body which was pierced and broken for us. We thank you that you defeated death. You defeated Satan. Death no longer holds its sting that we have an eternal destiny and we know what it is to be your children and we know what it is to be safe and secure in you and we thank you for that. We just thank you so much. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Guys, if you can hand these
So if you can hold the cup and we'll all drink together. And afterwards, if you just put your cup on the bench because they'll be picked up after the service. Charles Spurgeon had um, also said about Christ, and he's talking about Christ coming down from glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our creator. And this is what Charles Spurgeon had to say. He said, the lower he stoops to save us, the higher we ought to lift him in our adoring reverence. He said, blessed be his name. He stoops and stoops and stoops and stoops. And when he reaches our level and becomes man, he still stoops and stoops and stoops lower and deeper yet. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's drink. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in your absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I might just pause there and digress slightly, because some people would struggle with that. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This verse is often misunderstood. And some would say, how does that work? This says we have to do work and we have to work jolly hard to ensure we are saved. No, that's not what it's saying because that would be a total contradiction to all passages regarding salvation, wouldn't it? Everything Paul has to say. In Ephesians 2.8 it says, By grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. So this verse is not talking about working for our salvation. It's the outworking of our salvation. It's the outworking of our faith. So that um, um, it's the outward expression of our salvation. We should be changed, obedient and willing to be servants of God. So that's... Working out our faith, as in doing it, 
Okay? Just in case there was some confusion there. Anyway. It says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. God desires to work in us and through us. This is God's plan for us. Every one of us. This is his plan for us. It says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you might become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Is that what you want to see for Corrine Baptist? That might be a beacon, that your life might be a beacon, that we might shine like stars in the universe. So it starts with getting ourselves right with one another, being united as a church, treating one another, everybody, those outside of the church, with a a heart like Christ had for us, the heart of servanthood, sacrifice, self-abasing. God can do great things. God can do great things through this church and through us as individuals. And we look to the future um, as we seek his will and his desire for this church. Let's work. Let's choose to live in harmony with one another. Let's choose to be imitators of Christ. This is an incredible chapter. And if you don't know it very well, it's a great one to spend time in. It's such a practical, such a practical lesson for us. But so, so very important for us to get right. Amen.